Good morning. Buenos dias. What's another one? What? Guten Morgen. I don't know that one. It's a German. Anything else? Oh, it's too many words. What? Someone to say it loud. Aloha. We wish we were alohaing, huh? Well, welcome today. My name is Melody, and I'm one of the pastors here. Well, happy to be here. I was not here last week, so I miss you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Linda, who missed me. <laughs> I missed all of you. Um, so happy to be here. How was everybody's Thanksgiving? Wonderful. Was it good? Some people said it was really quiet. Some people said it was very low-key. Some people I saw at Golden Corral. That's where I had my Thanksgiving, and it will always be. So if you ever want to do something different, you know where to find me. Um, well, welcome this morning. I have a lot, a lot, a lot of things to tell you. So do me a favor. Break out a pen. You have a pen in front of you. Let's do pen and paper. Let's do pen and paper. You have a card, a prayer card, a connect card. Don't take the giving cards. We need all those we can get. Okay? Take out a prayer card. Take out a connect card. I'm going to give you a few pieces of information. So we are starting next week our Advent series. So you should have gotten one of these cards as you came in. If you don't, we will give you one as you leave or find one, please. Sometimes people say, oh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Well, did you look for it? Because it's around. So... Uh, on here, it says, invite a friend, invite a neighbor. And next week, we start off with anticipation and expectation, and then white elephant, and then whatnot. So let me just say this. I am slowly breaking you in today to my holiday drip. <laughs> you guys know what that means back there? Just that, those two rows. My holiday gear, my holiday... My holidayness. Let's just put it that way. Okay? I broke, you, I broke you in slowly today with my holiday vibe shirt. Please wear all the fun things you can during this Advent series. Where else are you going to wear it? Come on. So wear it. Bring it. I can't wait for next week. You're probably going to need sunglasses when you see me. So make sure you come. Don't miss the series. Invite a friend. Invite a neighbor. It's a great time to do that. If you are visiting us today, we would love to get just a little bit of information from you, maybe a name, maybe a phone number, maybe an email. Please fill those out and find myself or find Grant right there um, and hand those to us, or you can put them in the giving box that's just outside in the foyer. Okay, so ready to write things down? What starts next week? Advent. Very good. You're doing good so far. Okay. Something that is happening on Tuesdays for the ladies, if you are home or if you are around or if you're off work, some people came right off work last time, tea at 2.30 on Tuesdays, yeah. or you can say it the other way, Tuesdays tea at 2.30, you can say it however you want, um, but we will have our ladies tea on Tuesday at 2.30 this week, but what we're all having on Friday, and if you've come... You know you want to come again, so write it down. On Friday, December 1st, to kick off the holiday season, we are having cocoa in the courtyard. Now, you might say, oh, it's for kids. No, it's not. Oh, it's for whatever. No, it's not. It's for everybody, okay? So cocoa in the courtyard this Friday, December 1st at 7 p.m. We play holiday bingo. We sing some songs. Anything else we do? We do some fun cookie decorating. So come, it's really fun. Great way to start off the holiday season. Uh, the next thing that I have the following week, okay? So you wrote down Advent. You wrote down December 1st. On December 6th, ladies, we are having a favorite things gift exchange. It is really fun. You don't want to miss it. Write it down. Be there Wednesday, December 6th. If you are middle school and above, this is for you. So more information will come out about that. I'm not going to give you all the information right now. Just write the date down and write the time down. 
and be there. That's all, that's your assignment today, okay? And then um, the other thing I have to tell you is that we are starting to take signups today. Signups today on December 16th. It is a Saturday. We are having our pantry Christmas drive-through, okay? Yeah. Last year it was a walk-through. We turned this whole place into a holly jolly walk-through. But this year we're doing a drive-through and we need all the hands we can get. And it's a fun time where we serve coffee, hot cocoa, do fun little holiday things. So please write that down. It is a great way to show up for your community. And let me tell you something. Last, uh, yesterday we were here with a great team of people. And I gotta tell you, I'm just amazed sometimes at the food we give away. I'm really just amazed. And yesterday, it was 9.15 and we had one car, right? Usually by this time we have like 30, maybe even 40. And I was like, what is happening in this world right now? Well, turns out there was a little bit of a mix up with calendars, I will own that. But we sent out messages, Justin heard my cry for help. We sent out messages, we put it on San Dimas Buzz and I was like, Lord, please bring the cars because I don't want to put all this food away <laughs> again. And, um, and before you knew it, man, we had like almost 40 cars, I would say, yesterday. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to do this. Thank you that we get to give this out. We get to support people. People showed up from San Dimas Buzz. There was new, uh, new guests that said, I, I actually happened to look you up and saw this online. Blah, blah, blah. So please, please sign up for the 16th. It is a little bit of your time and more information will come out uh, for that. And lastly, 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 I have one second left. Um, if you are a student in here, again, middle school and up, registration is open for winter camp, okay? Registration is open for winter camp, and that is in February. And folks, we are already doing some fundraising. There's a sale next week, right, Stephen? A bake sale next week. I have some cranberry bliss bars coming. Bring your money. We have some cookies coming. Bring your money. Just bring your money, okay? Um, so, but kids, we are trying to get that cost down for um, all the kids to go to winter camp. Now, a little bit of insider information. You guys will be at winter camp on Stephen's birthday. So, and Melody's birthday. Everybody write that down. February 18th, <laughs> Melody's birthday and Stephen's birthday. I don't see anyone writing that down. Come on, February 18th, it's there. It's, it's written in your heart. It's on your phone, okay. But for the students, for the students, that's gonna be a really fun day um, to just kind of mess with Steven. So I think you should just register for that all together. Um, but we really wanna send the kids off and again, just uh, as inexpensively as we can for parents. We know that, man, inflation's killing us, but we're doing what we can, yeah? So um, let's just keep all those things in mind. If you have any questions about any of that, please reach out to me, reach out to Nancy in the front office, reach out to Grant, um, chat with us, email us, phone call us, whatever. We're always happy to help clarify any questions, all right? All right, so let's pray and let's continue with our gathering this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we... Uh, begin to uh, embark on, as people say, the busiest time of year, Lord, that we would really, um, that we would reflect on our lives, Lord, and look at our own busyness and look at what perhaps, um, what perhaps we need to focus on this year, Lord, people we need to focus on, situations, Lord, I pray that as we uh, do some of these things together as a group, Lord, that um, you would just bless the conversations, God, that we would take just a little bit of time and perhaps try something new uh, this season, Lord, whether that be showing up to Coco in the courtyard or coming to the women's event or inviting a neighbor or a friend to the Advent series, Lord. Lord, would you... Um, would you just give us the, the courage? Would you give us the clarity of thought to use our words, Lord? Lord, would you uh, just already start stirring in our hearts what, what could be? 
in the next few weeks, God. God, I pray for Grant as he brings us your message this morning, God. Thank you for the time he has spent on this. Thank you for uh, the book of Hebrews that we have been in, God. Thank you for just your ever-present living word that speaks to us. God, I pray for your um, presence, your protection to be over us, um, over the churches all around us, God, over, um, Lord, just uh, just humanity and all the things going on in the world, Lord. There's just not enough words, not enough time to say all the things, God, but we know that you are in all of it. God, we pray and we thank you for this hope and this peace that we have because of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Will you welcome Grant this morning? Thank you, Melody. Appreciate you very much. Glad you're back. Missed you. Me and Linda missed you. <laughs> so, yeah, as Melody said, we are starting Advent next week. Can you believe it's almost Christmas time again? Um, so we've got some kind of fun things planned because we like to have fun. And sometimes, you know, when we're laughing, you know, truth, truth creeps in, you know, when we're having, you know, a time when we're just opened up with laughter and community. So we thought we'd do some stuff to kind of support the messages and the whole concept of the season. And the first one is something you received this morning, which is a letter to Santa. Uh, there is a reason for this, okay? Um, I just want to let you know, can you fill this in today, please? Um, it's not that simple. Just... What is most close to your heart of desire and want this year? Just write that down. You don't have to put your, na- your age if you don't want to. But I would encourage you to do so because, you know, it's okay. It's cool. Um, so this is going to become more apparent next week when we gather for the first week of Advent because it's about expectation and anticipation. What is it we want? What is it we desire? What is it we're longing for? So kids of all ages are to fill in a letter to Santa today and... Place that in, there's a box outside uh, that designates the place to put these, and they will be making their way to, is it the north or the south pole? Depends. Depends. Wow. The great north pole, south pole debate, which split the church. (laughs) So that's that's for next week, but do do that today. Um, By the way, my birthday is March 13th uh, every year. So yeah, we're in the last message in Hebrews. We have a few verses to cover today. I'm going to begin with um, just sharing this habit that I have, uh, which I think I inherited from my my mother, uh, my beloved dear mom, Jeanette. Uh, This was uh, last time we were visiting. Uh, My daughter's hat blew off over a seawall. Uh, And I, of course, like a good dad, went to get it, and everyone's very worried about me, but I made it back, okay, with the hat. And Ronna caught a picture of my beautiful mom. But I've got this habit, I think I got from her, um, when I was growing up, it became almost a running joke that whenever my mom would be heading out to go somewhere, shopping or visiting a friend or whatever, she would return to the house after first leaving at least two or three times. She would leave, and then she would come back. It's especially in the days before cell phones. Maybe it's not so bad right now. So if my siblings and I were in the kitchen or, you know, watch, witnessing her leaving and mom went out the door, we would often stop what we were doing and we would just wait, uh, anticipating her return and then kind of, yes, she's back, um, to grab something that she needed or something she forgot to mention to us. And of course now, as often happens, you know, when you look in the mirror and you see your father or your mother, Right. It happens in, your, in the things you do. I find myself often doing the very same thing. Perhaps you can relate. Perhaps you're a person who leaves the house. Anyone? Yeah. And then comes back several times. Um, why, do, why do we do that? Well, perhaps the reason, one of the reasons may be that my mother and I are a bit scatterbrained. You know, we are. Uh, but another reason might be because we really, really care about people. Um, we want to make sure that everything is okay and everyone is okay, that we've accomplished everything we needed to do before we left and we have taken everything with us that we're going to need wherever we go for any need that arises and the people that we're going to do life with outside of the house. So we find ourselves at the close of this New Testament book of Hebrews with a similar thing happening with this author. The writer, before closing 
Because there's not, once you send that letter by courier on a horse or by foot, whatever, to where it's going, you're not adding any PSs, you're not adding any addendums or extra information. Once you send that thing, it's done. They're trying, the, the writer's trying to ensure that his friends who will receive this text will have all the information that they need to press on in this journey with Jesus that apparently they are struggling with. These are closing words from a heart of empathy, camaraderie, and love. That's what we're doing this week. And there's, there's a, a real kind of definite arrangement to the closing words of Hebrews. There are four sections telling the, the audience various things. There's a blessing, and then there's kind of this last little catch-all part, which you could kind of call housekeeping. Uh, so we're going to start with the four sections and just go through these in order. Section one begins in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 9 and 10. And the author says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Anyone hungry right now? It's too early to be hungry. Give it another half hour, it'll start happening. Um, Who has eaten plenty of food this week? It's been Thanksgiving, right? The primary goal of Thanksgiving, I don't think it's to give thanks, it's to eat. Hopefully we give thanks for the food, but uh, my uh, social media feed has been filled with pictures of recipes and pictures of perfectly prepared Thanksgiving dinners and spreads. Maybe this is probably exactly what yours looked like, right? That's the picture of my actual table, um, except that thing in the middle is made of tofu, just so you know. Well, all throughout the book of Hebrews, we have been told that similarly, God has laid out for us a table filled with every good thing, not only for our well-being, but also for our enjoyment. In Christ is every single thing that a human being needs to prosper, to flourish, to grow, to be healthy. Yet, we've also heard that all around this table, there are vendors offering God's people all sorts of alternative sources of nourishment. And the writer very clearly says, it is good, maybe you might say best, for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. This word grace. So the way I'm putting this as far as section one is, is this statement, be satisfied with the simple gospel, my brothers and sisters. Be satisfied with the simple gospel. In the text, there are hints to as to what they're called strange teachings. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Carried away from where? Well, carried away from the simplicity of the gospel as given to these people by their leaders. And there are hints as to what this might be. Ceremonial foods, those who minister at the tabernacle. There's a couple of things this could be because we don't know for definite that it's written to Jewish Christians who are tempted to go back to their previous way of religion. It's also in a very uh, pluralistic world. So it could be the dietary rules of the Old Testament, things that you would not eat, do not touch, do not take this food. But it also could be Greek and Roman teachings about spiritual improvement that was taught through either eating or refraining from eating certain foods or doing certain things. And it's called strange teachings. This word strange comes from the Greek word xeno, which is like we say xenophobia, which is fear of the other, fear of the foreigner, the stranger. So it's something that is outside of this gospel, outside the simple gospel. We began Hebrews 1, we're ending now, but the very first thing it says, in times past, God spoke to our ancestors in various ways through the prophets. And in these last times, he has spoken to us emphatically through Jesus. This is the place where we have landed. This is the realm. This is the world where we are to live. We are now new citizens of a new kingdom. This is our This is our new culture. So there's reasons that we can probably detect some of these things that might be strange teachings, and it's what they offer as an alternative to what the gospel offers us. And the first thing is often other teachings, and there are many, and you may start to think of some. I don't want to necessarily single out certain things in our world, books and things, but these may be somewhat familiar to you. The first one is the promise of quick fixes. 
If you would just do this, spend your energy and your time following this plan, abiding to these teachings, doing these things, you will be transformed overnight. It's very popular in our country. We want everything now. And you know, have you ever had food made by someone like a bit too quickly and didn't really follow the recipe and slapped it together? It's often not very nourishing. Sometimes the quickest food that you can reach for, as I discover uh, sometimes when I keep saying, stop buying, let's not buy any more snacks. It's not ultimately very healthy for you, but it, it gets there quick, right? You get a quick sugar rush, carbohydrates, whatever. But ultimately, it's not good for you. The gospel goes deep, but it takes time. It is not overnight. It is not a quick fix. And some of the best meals I have ever had have been the simplest ones. The simple gospel. Often these quick fixes uh, require a lot of complexity over time and perhaps a lot of money. But they promise a quick fix. You ever heard the expression, hunger is the best sauce? Ever heard that expression? Where did that come from? I'm the drummer from Ronald's band is the first person I ever heard to say it. But you know, when you are hungry, there's something about that satisfaction. Who did not eat a thing before the Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday? Mm, did I? Can't remember. <laughs> but I was starving by the time I got there, right? But it tastes so good. Delayed gratification. This points us to Jesus. Jesus entrusted himself to no quick fix, despite the temptations of the devil and the temptation of his own flesh. He trusted himself to God's plan and God's timetable. The simple gospel. The second thing that some of these strange teachings might do is appeal to our self-interest rather than a healthy community and my part in it. That's the advertiser, advertiser's number one tool is this, this will, is this for you, 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 you. If you do a survey, the advertising that we see in magazines or on TV, it's all very self-centered. It, it doesn't necessarily talk about how you will become a more healthy part and contributor to your community. It talks about this is going to benefit you. The third thing, sometimes it makes us feel special or unique which is nothing wrong with feeling special or unique. You are all very unique and very special in your, in your own way. But this, these teachings promise that if you will do this, follow this, you will be leveled up above other people. This happens in Christianity sometimes, a particular gift. Most of the letters in the New Testament are written to churches who were becoming very arrogant because they believed they had certain gifts that set them above their brothers and sisters. For those who are video game players, it's like learning the secret moves in Street Fighter, the video game. <laughs> right? You are special. Your friend thinks they're just playing with you and you're even Stevens, right? Right, Steven? And then you like press X and paddle up and boom, they're down. They promise that you will be higher, better, if you will just follow this path. You know, when it comes to healthy food, there are a few things to consider, and they apply very well to our need to be satisfied with the simple gospel of grace. And the first thing is about local. It's good to know where your food comes from. You know, has anyone ever done the farm-to-table stuff where you pay a certain amount of money a month and you get a box of produce from a local farm? There are no farms around here, right? That's probably impossible, right? And that, that applies to this concept of strange teachings and, and, and adhering and finding nourishment and satisfaction in the simple gospel of grace in that be local. Know your teachers personally. Who is teaching you the things you know? Is it some face on a television screen? Do you know them? Do you know their character, their way of life? To keep it local. The second thing is try and keep your food free from additives, Right? That applies really well to this. Jesus plus anything else is problematic for spiritual health. And if someone tells us that, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need this, it's not the simple gospel. And the last thing is, you know, the best food is eaten with others, right? As we discovered this week. Well, you know, sometimes it's difficult. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You know, families getting together, woo, 
wish we had time to get the microphone around and share some stories. I'm sure some, some humdingers from this week. But the best meals are eaten with others. The simple gospel of grace is only going to be nourishing in as far as it is shared with other people. We're all on the same level. And then to give one example, because it's really, really important right now, and I think the last time this happened, this whole election thing, the rumbles were felt in the church. I'm proud to say, maybe not so much in this church, but in the church in America, there is so much division around politics. Extremes on both sides. Jesus plus allegiance to a political perspective. Jesus plus whatever loyalties we are asked to give. And it breaks up the body of Christ. I talked before about this concept of the radical middle. And it's something I've come to really appreciate. The middle is not a place of passivity. The middle is actually a radical decision to say, I will not be polarized in ways that divide me from my brothers and sisters, adding to the simple gospel of grace. I will be in the middle. I will try to be balanced. I will love my neighbors on any, any perspective, but me, myself, be in the radical middle. But not only that, but the messy middle. It's really messy, isn't it, to be in that place? What are we finding nourishment in? The writer says, be satisfied with the simple gospel of grace. As Jesus taught it to us to say, give us this day our daily bread, O Father. Okay, the second one is this, be weird. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, some of you are way ahead on this one. I probably don't even need to talk about it. <laughs> be weird. Ron, he just, yeah, I concur. <laughs> and you know, weird uncles, right? That's Thanksgiving's most enduring meme right? Weird uncles at Thanksgiving table. Why not weird aunts? It's always weird uncles. There's one news site that said, that described it as that one exhausting relative who treats every event as a chance to assault you with their fringe political ideas, hector you about your life, infuriatingly question your values. Anyone have a weird uncle? Is anyone here a weird uncle? So I'm not talking about that sort of weird right? I'm talking about weird like Jesus, and Jesus was weird in his time, in his culture, and he calls us into a form of strangeness. The peculiar people of God, Paul said, I'm willing to be a fool for Christ. Verses 11 to 16 say, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, getting back into that Old Testament picture of the tabernacle and the temple, but the bodies are burned outside the camp, and then Christ comes, the perfect Passover lamb. So Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. Jesus was an outsider. He became an outsider. He marched to the beat of the drum that God set for him. And we are to go outside the camp bearing this disgrace. So Christians should be weird in some ways if we follow Jesus. Why are Christians weird? And weird is only in terms of its relationship to what is normal, okay? What's normal? Uh, well, you know, the cultural norms, maybe we do, right? Um, maybe it'll make sense when I explain, but the first thing is this. Well, actually, four things. We're honest about our sin, honest about our sin, hopeful about history, we are hospitable, and we are heavenly-minded. And these things make us different. These things make us weird. The first thing, honest about our sin. It talks about Jesus bearing the disgrace. Jesus carried our real sin and his sacrifice continues to deal with it perfectly, but it is real. And I've found that often in this world, the normal thing is to either justify my wrongdoing or blame someone else for my wrongdoing or simply deny that I'm responsible for any wrongdoing. And because of Christ, we confidently and gratefully express that, yes, we are people capable of sin and we do harm in the world, but yet we have been forgiven 
I don't think many people in this world have a place to put the things that they do wrong. They don't know where to put it and it creates such terrible conflicts within us of denial and scapegoating and justification. Jesus went outside the camp carrying our sin and we follow him outside, away from all the beautiful, perfect people who never do anything wrong, right? We're honest about our sin. The second thing is we're hopeful about history. There's a beautiful little phrase, two phrases in here that kind of live in tension with each other. The first is that Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered to make people holy. Jesus suffered to make people holy. We can be hopeful about history because despite the suffering and the sorrow and the pain in God's hands, he will take all of that and he will use it for the eventual justice and righteousness of his creation. He takes all things together, no matter what the material. That's what the cross teaches us. That even in the worst of situations, God can and will bring transformation. As Martin Luther King Jr. quoted from somebody else, that the arc of the moral universe is long. And we say, how long, O Lord, must we still see these things? But it bends towards justice. Christians are weird. We fight cynicism. Believe me, I fight cynicism. When I turn on the news channel, my first response is to despair. And then I remember the hope that I have for all of creation. The next thing that makes Christians weird is we are hospitable. Why is that weird? Is this a hospitable world? Do you feel that typically most of the people in our world will open their door to a stranger? Hospitality, we talked about this last week. Hostile literally means, the word meant love for the stranger. Welcome, love for the stranger. We talked about being safe last week. If you weren't here, don't say I'm saying open your door to every person who comes along. Use discernment. But this is what it means. We may not accept strange teachings, but we will welcome strangers, people who are unlike ourselves, the other That's the reason why we call places of healing hospitals. It's the same word. Why do you go to a hospital? It's because you have need of care. Hospitality isn't hospitality when you have someone who needs nothing. Hospitality is hospitality when you have someone who lacks much and you welcome them. And that's weird in this world. That's weird in this culture because why on earth would I give away that which I have not knowing whether I will get any more. Why would I do that? Jesus went out of the city. Where did he go? We read the stories about Jesus. Where did he go? He went out to the margins. If you think about it, there's there's someone who, who made kind of a triangular thing of the society in that time. There were very few, very wealthy people. And then this triangle went down. At the bottom, there were just the nobodies. And they were masses of these people and that's who Jesus always went out to and he calls us to join him in those places to not wait for the stranger to come to us but to go and seek them out and there are places in this very community where people gather in forgotten places and we're called to extend hospitality to them the final thing is heavenly minded you notice I've got all the H's I love alliteration right we got honest about sin, hopeful about history, hospitable, heavenly minded. Here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Our feet are on the ground. As Casey Kasem said, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for cigars. No, that's not right. You know, we have our eyes fixed on the kingdom to come, which is rushing towards us. We're not moving towards it. Christ is returning towards us with his reward, with his hope, with his glory and his beautiful redemption. We we have our eyes fixed above. There's an expression from a book title. It's called Too Christian, Too Pagan. I've mentioned it before. It's one of my favorite books about what it means to be a Christian in this world. 
And the concept is called Two Christian, Two Pagan, because it says that if you follow Jesus, you're often going to be too pagan for your Christian friends, and you're definitely going to be too Christian for your pagan friends. Did I say that right? You ever experienced that, where you feel judged by the Christians in your life, and you feel a little bit out of place with a pagan, I say pagans as in just those who are not, you know, following Jesus. It's this road less travel that Jesus walked. Section three is this, Hebrews 13, 11 to 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. The key word here is sacrifice. That also makes us weird, sacrificial living. And there are several types of sacrifice here. There are three of them. The first is a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. John Piper once said that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. That's why we come here. Part of why we come here is to worship God. It's this intentional, rhythmic cycle of coming on the Lord's day to join our voices together to worship God. Whether we feel like it, whether we don't feel like it, we come and we are transformed by that activity. The second thing is a sacrifice of mindfulness. It says, do not forget. Do not forget. It's an intentionality. The third is a sacrifice of generosity. Do good and share with others. The interesting thing about, once again, there's these two different activities, and both of them are dependent upon the other one. Through Jesus, let us continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. You cannot have one without the other. As we go into the world, as we serve, as we love, as we share, we find God to be beautiful and sufficient, and we praise and worship him. As we praise and worship him, we find our hearts transformed, and we go back out into the world to serve and to share and to love and to pray and to receive the stranger, to be hospitable. Both of those things working together. You cannot have one without the other. This is the sacrifice. So my, my phrase for this section is put your whole self in. It actually came from my mom. She said, if I ever write a book, I'm going to call it, you put your whole self in. And I love that expression. You can do the hokey-cokey and shake it all around if you want. <laughs> but the author says, be full-on intentional with this stuff. This vertical, this horizontal, we cannot have one without the other. You can't just praise God. You, you, you will not engage with or experience the, the power, the reality, unless you're also doing this horizontal work with other people. Because you'll be sometimes challenged so much that you're praying, God, help me. I don't know how to deal with this situation, right? I'll be sometimes. It all works together. Section four is the most important and hard to swallow for us modern American people. Uh, and basically, though, it, it's this concept that in order to do these things, we must be open to encouragement and also critique, accountability. Verse 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Not a question. To whose authority do you submit? As you sit here today, just, I mean, shout it out. God? Me as a pastor? Thanks, Barbara. Anyone else? To what authority, what or who do you submit in terms of authority? Supervisors? Government? Government? Husbands. Husbands. Who said that? There you go. Each other. Okay. Parents for the kids, maybe? Santa to get on the good list? Huh? There you go. 
Um, so questions, next one, do you do so willingly or begrudgingly? Do you do so only because there's a penalty if you don't? Like the government or the police? So a question, you know, this is talking about pastors and leaders, right? This is hard to talk about this one. Like last time talking about sexual liberality, I'm like, can we just skip this bit? This is like uncomfortable. But, but no, this is the word of God. This is what the word says. And this, this comes from a heart of love for his people. This guy is writing to say, I see what you are going through. This is how you should respond to your circumstances and press on and you will reap the righteous rewards, the harvest of this work. And it includes this concept. So a question, as a pastor, who gives me my authority? Okay, that's my, what my first thought was, but I say that's not true. No, I don't think so. God gives me something. You know what God gives me? Responsibility. God gives me responsibility to care for, to the best of my ability, in the power of Christ, the people to whom I am called to serve. God has all the authority, and I have been given the responsibility. So who gives me the authority? You do. You do, or you don't. You do or you don't give me authority as a pastor in your life, and you don't have to. And I'm never going to be a person who demands that. I'm just going to share what the Word says. You know, the pandemic was a hard time for all of us. I was reading again about statistics about pastors and burnout and quitting and resigning early and all that kind of stuff, and it was very hard. And maybe I was very idealistic, and I'm a very idealistic person. Maybe that's something to do with being heavenly minded and saying that there's always hope, right? But when the pandemic started, you know, I felt really clearly that God was telling me that this was going to be a change agent. And I hope foolish me thinking change might be easy, right? But I, I kind of thought to myself that the church would gather together in unity and, and, and follow a sense of, you know, a communal you know, journey through, and nothing really, I'm talking about the American church in general, could have been further from the truth. It revealed how shallow this aspect of our lives are. Where we may say pastor, 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 but not even understand, perhaps, that, that this is important. So how, how, do you, how do we do this, okay? How do we, how do I, I'm on an authority to Chris, you stand up for a second, Chris. Chris is the chairman of our elder board. And I am responsible and I'm accountable to that man. And I take it really seriously. This is how God has ordered the body. But how do we ensure, that the, how do, what's the best way to do this? Okay, well, the writer tells us, eight, verses 18 to 19, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience. And we desire to live honorably in every way. And I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. The best way to be in healthy relationships with a pastor or any kind of leader is not to just obediently nod your head and step into line when they say something. It's to pray for them. Firstly, it's hard to be in a relationship that's antagonistic over a long time if you're praying for somebody. You notice that? If you've got a problem with someone and you say, okay, I'm going to pray for them. Lord, bless them as they need to be blessed. Like, you know, if that's a smack in the head, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but pray for them. It opens up your heart to the person, to the relationship. Pray for them. He, sa he says, the writer says, we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. And I think, I mean, that's my intention. So the second thing would be, if you think that there's some dishonorable behavior or something that is a violation of conscience, come and talk to the leader. Come and have a conversation with them. Talk to them. And what's the greatest prayer request? It says that I may be restored to you soon. Because that's what it's all about. 
God has called me to this role. I did not ask for it. God has called you in your particular life to a role in the body of Christ, and there is no greater, higher. We are all in the same body. And that's really, really important to know. And actually, this whole thing about being accountable, I believe I will be held accountable to how I lead and serve and minister in this community. That's a heavy thing. And I take it really seriously. I love you guys. I am grateful to be here. So please pray for me as I pray for you. So four sections. Be satisfied with the simple gospel. Be weird. Put your whole self in and accept healthy authority. Healthy is really important. If the authority is unhealthy, you should question it. The last thing is this thing we call a benediction or a blessing. We always end our times on Sunday mornings with a blessing. We do the same at Sunday Miss Retirement Center. Typically, we always say, Lord, bless you and keep you. Turn his face toward you. Be gracious toward you. Turn his face toward you. Give you peace, right? We say that. And this is how it ends. And it could seem like it's just, because we use it for that, it seems like it's just one of those like throwaway phrases. But the whole point is that This is the whole summation of all the foundational truth that can allow us to live this kind of new life. It's a blessing over the people saying, this is all that you have. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love that there's two words. One word that start this, starts this and one word that ends this. The first is now. I love that word. Now, back when this was written, back when it was first read out, and now today, this is true. And then, amen. What does amen mean? It means, may this be so for us. And it is. And these are massive words, right? It's transcendent, it's glorious, it's awe-inspiring. Well, in the very next part, in the very last part of Hebrews, it brings it right back down to earth again. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. You don't say, after how many months of this? I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. And those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. I called this section housekeeping. It's kind of the ending. It's like tying little loose ends, you know, mentioning a couple of people that they have in common. And it's, and it's interesting because he says, I've written to you quite briefly. This is actually the second longest text in the New Testament. And if you journey through this whole Hebrew thing or if you read it at some point, the whole thing, it's not particularly brief. But I think this tells us something. Because this actually is the smallest little part of the story. And, and, and the fact that he mentions Timothy and all of these people, the brothers and the sisters, the Lord's people, the leaders, it tells us that the people to whom this letter was written would be the living continuance of these words. This word on the page becomes a word in the flesh, in the hearts, in the living comings and goings of God's people back then and on now to this day. We live out these words. I'm gonna invite Ben to come up as we prepare for communion. And then the final thing I wanna say is just the very last words of Hebrews. Can we say it together? Grace be with you all. We could do a full sermon on this, but I'm simply gonna say this, five words profound words, grace is the greatest gift. B is the greatest reality. With is the greatest proximity. You is the greatest relationality. And all is the greatest inclusivity. This is how he ends this message. Grace be with you 
all. And it is. We're going to go to communion now as a means of responding. We have some folks serving at the back and serving at the front. This is something that we do every week. Uh, It's actually interesting because it satisfies so many of these things. It is a sacrifice of praise. It is a sacrifice of praise. It is a sacrifice of mindfulness to remember. It is a sacrifice of generosity. It's a picture of the sharing amongst the body of Jesus' grace, his body and his blood given for us. So in your own time, let's really keep a quiet time for this. We can chat afterwards over some more coffee, but let's just keep quiet and think about the incredible grace of Jesus to you as you come up and receive the bread and the cup and we'll hold them and serve together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, take this and eat, all of you. This is my body, which is for you. Let's take the bread in remembrance. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And in the same way, after supper, he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he distributed it to his friends, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. I will not drink again from this cup until I drink it again with you in the kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that you love us such as we are. And we come as we are. And we thank you, Lord, that you've called us to respond to your call, to your love, to the ways we see you at work all around us. Lord, we are your people. We claim that this morning. We are your sons and your daughters. We are brothers and sisters. Thank you that we don't have to strive. We don't have to struggle. So we rest, Lord, in your completed, finished work on our behalf. We say, here we are, Lord, send us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.